Well, Evan, thank you for waking up the room with that uh, fine piece. Good morning, friends, and welcome to our 945 service. On this, the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost, time's flying. Advent will be here in no time. Uh, welcome to those of you in the room, and as we know, many more joining us online in uh, other places, other countries. It's great to worship God together uh, in this way. Uh, as I look around, some of you are visiting with us. We're, we're really honored that you have come. We hope you'll come back. We hope you'll leave us some contact information so we can uh, get to know you. Uh, begin the process of befriending one another, that would be uh, a great thing. Uh, let me say on a personal note, um, thank you to so many of you uh, who have reached out and expressed love uh, to my wife Lisa and to me, her father. We had his uh, funeral service yesterday. He was the senior pastor here back uh, in the 70s and 80s, and we, we've just been really moved uh, by your love, so thank you so much for that. I forgot, my name is James Howell. And I'm up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Dr. Uyan Kim. Grateful to be together. As Dr. Howard already mentioned, we want to get to know you and connect with you. If you are relatively new, especially if you're a first-time visitor, uh, please utilize our hospitality pads at the end of your pews. Uh, please pass that on to your neighbors. There's also a QR code at the back of your bulletin that you can use your cell phones with. And for those of us online, wherever you may be, there's a link that you can click on to let us know who you are, how we can be in touch with you, to pray for all of you, and to share the ministries of our church as we journey onward together. A couple of things we wanted to highlight. Tomorrow there's a border conversation that's happening in Francis Chapel at 7 p.m. to get to know our immigrant neighbors better. 7 o'clock, Nathan? 6.30? 6 o'clock? Yeah. He's making symbols back there. Yeah. 6 o'clock tomorrow. We hope to see many of you there. And in a couple of weeks we're going to have our blood drive, so please do make an appointment for that. Here's the thing about blood, right? It cannot be made. It can only be given. This is a gift that we offer to our neighbors from us to them, for them. So we invite you to participate in that wonderful ministry as we give of ourselves. And as always, it is a wonderful and, and beautiful thing that we're gathered together this morning. Let us continue to prepare our hearts for worship.
And as we continue to joyfully worship, I invite you to affirm your faith with us all on 881 with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence ye shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. join our hearts and our voices together as we offer our confession before God. Gracious God, we carry anger in our hearts we cannot release. Our past regrets continue to shame us with pain. Scarcity binds our hearts with generosity and growth. Give us courage to choose you in the face of temptations. Set us free for joyful obedience and faithful witness. Open us to a future of peace, hope, and love with you. Amen. Hear the good news that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. The Old Testament reading is Deuteronomy, chapter 34, beginning with the first verse. And Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negev and the plain, that is the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zoar. And the Lord said to him, this is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab opposite Beth Peor. But no man knows the place of his burial to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. And the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. And then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And Joshua the son of Nun was full of, spirit, of, full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands upon him. So the people of Israel obeyed him, and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, none like him for all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great and terrible deeds which Moses wrought in the sight of all Israel. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Amanda, thank you for that reading. Such a poignant uh, moment. Uh, Moses uh, makes his way to the top of Mount Nebo, Nebo there, uh, the range of Pisgah, looking over the Jordan Valley uh, into the Promised Land. I take uh, tour groups there. It's always splendid. Moses' eyes dart all over the country, starts in Zor, the south, glances up to Dan in the north, comes down the Jordan Valley. Look, he's soaking it all in. It is for Moses a time of immense joy. He's got to be tired. He's 120 years old. He's been out in the wilderness for 40 years uh, with some really obstinate people. Uh, but he's filled with joy. He's energized because of what he sees, his whole life's work. Is right there before him and then comes the sorrow God says uh, Moses you you will not enter the land what and uh, Scott I remember years ago reading uh, various Bible scholars why did this happen it's because Moses struck the rock the wrong way because he lost his t temper with the people of Israel uh, the one person who understood rightly why Moses died was of all people Franz Kafka not exactly a Christian theologian, right? A kind of a, a, a depressing existentialist writer. He said Moses died because he was human. Moses died because he was human. We do this sometimes. We think, now, why did God take this person's life? We always want God to. I understand that our lives are hinged to God. Why did God take the one that I love? But those that we love die as we do because they're human. We're human. And God does not ask us to be anything more than human. Although we get, ex we get mixed up about being human. Sometimes people say to me, oh, they do something really dumb. And they'll say, no, I'm only human. And I want to respond by saying, no, actually at that moment you were acting in a very subhuman manner. Being human isn't like doing dumb stuff. Being human is, is my, my How to Be Spiritual series right now really is about how to be human, how to be the person that God made you to be, how to be your truest self, which your truest self is that you're made in the image of God. You've got some goodness in you. You've got some nobility in you. You've got some dreams in you. There's just so much. God asks us to be human, and God also asks us to have a little bit of courage. It's underrated in church life. We don't talk about it enough. Courage. Courage. Uh, Marilyn Robinson, a uh, great novelist, in her book Gilead, has the following. I love this. She says, theologians talk about a provenient grace that precedes grace itself and allows us to accept it. I think there must also be a kind of provenient courage that allows us to be brave, that is, to acknowledge that there is more beauty than our eyes can bear, that precious things have been put into our hands, and to do nothing to honor them is to do great harm. <laughs> Friends, we are made to be people of courage, and that's why we need to hear heroic stories that inspire us to be courageous. This is Reformation Sunday, and it's the day we always mark Martin Luther standing up October 31st, 1517, Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses uh, to the church door in Wittenberg, and, and all chaos broke loose in the politics and religious life of Europe. Four years later, he's called on the carpet before the authorities in the city of Worms, and they say, you must recant. And Luther famously responded by saying, here I stand. I don't love that he added, God help me. <laughs> Here I stand, God help me. On December 1st of 1955, a uh, woman, she was a seamstress, she was a Methodist seamstress in Montgomery, Alabama, named Rosa Parks, got on a city bus, and uh, when a white passenger got on and she failed, as was the custom, to yield her seat, the driver, J.P. Blake, came back, barked at her, she still didn't give up her seat. She wasn't saying, here I stand, she was saying, here I sit. Like, I love that. Sometimes we stand, sometimes we sit, sometimes, I love, we did our civil rights tour, and my, my favorite moment probably was when we got to Selma, Alabama, and we walked across that Edmund Pettus Bridge. I got to walk that with my uh, great friend Richard Harrison. So sometimes Christians stand, sometimes we sit, sometimes we walk. We've got to think about, I had an amazing thing happen to me last summer. I was in Israel. Uh, Lisa was working at this archaeological dig, and I was just kind of hiking around during the day, having fun. 
And I was about to go visit a cemetery that's right across the street from Mount Zion where Oscar Schindler is buried. You remember him? He was the businessman, managed to rescue many Jews. Just as I was walking into the cemetery, just by chance, I got a text photo from somebody in this church who's a friend who was at Kiowa Island, and he had snapped a photo of sunrise at Kiowa. And Kiowa, I've been there. What a lovely place. And sunrise there, it's just got to be amazing, right? But I took that photo and glanced at it, and then I looked down at Oscar Schindler's grave. And it occurred to me in that moment, there's nothing wrong with going to Kiowa, but Kiowa does not make a moral demand of me. Kiowa does not ask questions of me. But if I stand over Oscar Schindler's grave, there's a moral imperative there. That grave asks me, what would you do? What are you doing? Courage. Moses dies too soon, and you always die too soon. There's one more birthday, one more graduation, one more grandchild, something. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, just one of our great thinkers, religious writers, of the last generation, he, he, he died recently. And when he died, he was actually writing about the death of Moses. Like, so he wasn't quite done, and he was gone, right? He was, he was uh, dealing with the fact that Moses had this constant prayer that he had prayed for years, which is, Lord, let me enter the promised land. And why was that prayer unanswered? And here's what Sachs wrote. For each of us, there is a Jordan we will not cross, a journey we will not finish, a paradise we will not reach this side of the grave. Doesn't matter how long you live, who you love, there's always something you don't quite get to. It's part of being human. And then sex. I love this. The last thing that he wrote before he died, he was exploring the fact that it says that Moses, he's 120, it says that his eyes were undimmed and his energy was unabated. And Sachs says maybe his energy was unabated because his eyes were undimmed. And what he says about that is really pretty amazing. He says that Moses, even though he was 120 years old, he never lost the vision of his youth. He's not talking about eyesight. He's talking about that idealistic vision. Never lose the vision of your youth. Then he says, if you want to stay young, never compromise your ideals. He says that a cynic is a lapsed idealist. I used to call them ex-liberals. I knew people like, they were liberals, they were progressive, they were great, they're idealists, but then they get old. And you know what happens when you get old? And some of you, you're there. I, I know it about you. You used to be sort of a dreamer, but then you got older and you start saying, oh, well, you know, reality. God looks down and it just breaks God's heart when you become that person. I was walking in the building the other day and because of the construction and all, our, our children's playground is right out in front of the building, kind of barricaded off from the street. And every time I walk in, the children are laughing and having a ball. And somebody walked in with me and said, whenever the building's finished, I hope you keep having those children out there. They just bring so much joy. I want to say, yeah, the children bring so much joy. They also aren't lapsed idealist yet children still believe children still dream they think that peace is possible that we can actually care for the people of the world if you want to stay young never compromise your ideals that's why we need to think about where we go uh, memphis memphis is a great place to visit and you have some choices when you go to memphis you can go to graceland i've been to graceland and when you go to graceland what you get is ain't nothing but a hound dog and you get, I did it my way. Nothing wrong with that. But if you go to Memphis, you can also visit the Lorraine Motel where Martin Luther King was killed, and you can visit the Mason Temple where he preached on the last night of his life. He was sick. He had a terrible fever. He said that he just couldn't go, and people with him pleaded with him, said, you know, everyone's gathered. They're so hoping to hear just a word from you. And he went and preached one of the most eloquent sermons in all of human history, which has everything to do with Moses looking into the land. I just want to read part of it to you. I know you know it. King said, well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. 
and I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. He's allowed me to go up to the mountain, and I've looked over, and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Friends, you're here not for now or for you. We're here because we're part of something bigger than ourselves. We're part of something bigger than our lifetimes. I don't know the names of all the people that built this room. I don't know if they were thinking about us, but we're sure the beneficiaries of it. They said, let's build a beautiful church, and decades from now some people will gather, and they'll hear a sermon, and they'll hear the organ, and they'll sing some hymns, and it will remind them that they are part of something larger than themselves. The world says you're only part of your own life and you're only part of now, maybe this afternoon. Here we say you're part of something larger. When we raised money for our building, we didn't say, let's build a building that we can enjoy next week when we move into it. He said, we're going to build a building for the generations that will come behind us. What a joy. What a delight. We call that hope. Being human is to hope. Being human is to have courage. To have courage is to hope. Such a beautiful thing. Thanks be to God. Friends, let's go to God in prayer together. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. We gather because you call us your own. We gather because we're just all your kids. We gather because of our desire to grow in love with you and to grow in love with our neighbors. We gather because we want to encounter your graceful presence in our lives, in your world, always and everywhere. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Spirit of the living God, we gather in your home to remember our stories in the midst of your stories. We gather to remember your faithfulness and your goodness. We gather to remember your steadfast love, which endures forever. In all things, in all places, at all times, your steadfast love endures forever. Help us to remember this love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Conflicts, violence, and even wars continue near and far. We mourn, we repent, and we pray. May we never give up. May we never give in to the darkness and the brokenness in this world. And may we cling on to hope, even in the midst of death. Help us always to remember that we are indeed the people of resurrection. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We doubt, and that's okay. We fear, and that's okay too. We even at times may fall into despair, and perhaps that's okay as well, because you will never leave us alone. It's, o it's okay because you are never too far away, and you will never give up on us. Help us to never give up. May we never give up in our conviction of the gospel that your good news for us and for the world will always prevail. Thanks be to God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, friends, before you know it, Advent will be upon us. And though Advent is a joyful time for so many of us, there are those of us where Advent, the holiday season, brings about special grief. As the ushers come forward, we are reminded that through your collective generosity, we're able to do wonderful ministry in the life of our church, like Grief Workshop that begins uh, in November throughout. A grief support workshop is led by a pastor, Bill and Lauren. It is a joy and thanksgiving that we are able to support one another uh, for one another here and outside the community of our faith. Let us receive our morning ties and thanksgiving with joy.
bless our gifts so they may touch the lives in need and become roots of justice in the world for the sake of Jesus Christ, who sends us out in love and in whose name we pray. Amen. We come now, friends, to our Lord's table. As Moses looked into the land of milk and honey, it was just a foretaste for him. We look in this meal into the heaven to come. It's a foretaste, and yet it's a present reality now. All are welcome at our Lord's table, all. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter if you've been to church 5,000 times or if it's your first time. Doesn't matter if you're very courageous or you're just kind of a chicken. It doesn't. <laughs> you are welcome at our Lord's table. It feeds us. It sustains us. It inspires us to be fully human, friends. So we'll join together in the prayers of consecration. Uh, we'll sing the responses. The, the uh, musicians will lead us in doing so. Uh, and after we uh, consecrate the elements and the leaders receive, the ushers will guide you in coming forward. There'll be two stations where you get a piece of bread, dip it into the cup, return to your seat by way of the outside aisle. You can receive kneeling. We have... Uh, gluten-free and COVID-friendly packets. There'll also be a station uh, at the back uh, for those who are in that part of the sanctuary. Let us come with uh, joy and anticipation and above all else, hope this day. So friends, the Lord be with you. And also Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father, almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, on the night in which he gave himself up for us, the Lord Jesus took bread, and after giving you thanks, he broke the bread. He gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. For this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith.
Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we might be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory are yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. confidence of the children of God, let us pray as our Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.
Just give me Jesus, which is what God has given us. Thanks be to God. Would you join with me now in our prayer after communion, which you can find printed in your bulletin. Let us pray together. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. May the grace of our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us, both now and forevermore. Mm -hmm. 